One of the joys that we have this morning is being able to hear from Adam Peacock. Some of you know Adam. Most of you have all heard about Adam. Adam is one of our, our local missionaries. Um, Adam is, uh, uh, is a, a personal friend. Uh, Adam has been one that uh, just by way of knowing background, if you haven't had a chance to meet Adam, Adam served as a pastor here in Santa Rosa for about 15 years, City Life Church here in Santa Rosa, and then in 2017 made a shift to really doing a ministry, Feathermine Ministry, which is uh, being a liaison within our own community, with our community leaders, and then coordinating churches. And he's been an integral part of coordinating the churches during the fires, coordinating the churches during the floods, coordinating the churches during COVID. But more than that, he's been working with city and civic leaders and helping city and civic leaders uh, see, one, the presence of Christ both in his own life but then in the mobilization of the church, and helping churches mobilize in their own unique communities within specific cities and within parts of the county, especially as the cities and counties have moved to districting. It's been wonderful that he's been able to identify churches in each of those areas. Adam has also been a special part of the Redemption Hill family, not just beyond uh, his mission work, but for those of you who, who knew Adam prior to uh, the marriage of Calvary and Foothills, Adam was a part of some very difficult days in the, 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 the time at, at Foothills Community Church and was a very trusted source that came in and, and helped us through some very challenging days uh, as we walked through a church discipline process uh, years ago. And so um, Adam is, is very familiar with the body, but he's also a part of our body here. He's more than, uh, than a missionary that we support. He's a, a friend and a brother as a part of us as Redemption Hill Church. So I'm going to ask Adam to come up, and he's going to share God's Word this morning. Good morning, Redemption Hill Church. I am so grateful to be here this morning. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for that introduction. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I, I am feeling very, very grateful to be here this morning. I feel very connected to um, this congregation. Pastor Tim shared uh, just the, the history, um, the many people in this church who I know and care about. And um, I, I also just want to say uh, I do count Pastor Tim um, really an important man in my life, an important friend, an important influence. He's been um, a huge encouragement. He's someone who is uh, faithful um, to speak the word of God into my life and heart. You guys know that, his uh, love and knowledge of the word. But God has given him an anointing, I think, really to be someone, an iron sharpening iron type of brother in Christ for pastors and ministers. You probably know he does that all over the county. He is someone that pastors will look to for counsel and encouragement. And uh, he and, uh, and Pastor Ben... Uh, really took the lead in caring for pastors who lost their homes after the 2017 fires. We had over 20. And now, just this past year in 2020, we had two pastors lose their homes. And again, he stepped up. And that's just one expression of the way that he's been an incredible resource. And so uh, I want you to know that in the same way that you see him being such a faithful shepherd uh, here at Redemption Hill Church, um, that his ministry is fruitful and significant beyond that. And, and I want to thank you, Redemption Hill Church, for your generosity, your giving, the way you stand uh, with me um, through this uh, ministry, Feathervine Ministries. Um, your support financially 
supports me and allows me to spend time representing the broader body of Christ. And you'll see in uh, this morning's bulletin some of the ways I've been able to do that, some of the really cool ways God's at work in our community. Um, I, I, I got to say that, you know, it was actually hard to prune out some of the testimonies because even in the midst of a, a crazy time, a challenging time, a sometimes frustrating time, I want to tell you that, that God is doing incredible things here in Sonoma County. And so there's even more going on than what you can see in that bulletin. But I hope that that update is encouraging to you. And uh, in the midst of putting that together, in the midst of that uh, process, you know, I was able to just focus, as Pastor Tim said, on some of the work that's taking place, some of the relationships that are being built. And um, one of the things that's important to understand is that your support is more than just what kind of helps me have time to do this work. It's also very important that Redemption Hill Church, your name and your support is behind me because I'm not just showing up as Adam Peacock. I'm showing up as someone who has um, been set apart as a representative of a broader group of churches. If there's no congregation standing behind me, there's really no weight to my testimony. And so I was told very early on, I was interacting with the, the mayor of Santa Rosa. This was back uh, in, in the early 2000s. And, and they said to me, you know, Adam, um, we can't as government partner with any one church, but it's easy for us to partner with many churches. And so I need the support of Redemption Hill uh, Church and other congregations standing with me to build the bridges that we're building. And so uh, for that and so many other reasons, I'm grateful. Uh, I mentioned the bulletin uh, in it. Uh, thank you for those who put it together. Uh, it, it looks great. You all made my family and Feather Vine Ministries look really good. And um, you'll see a picture of my family. I just want to greet you uh, on behalf of my family. And you'll see my wife and our four kids. I got a chance to speak here in the past. It's been a little while, so I'm just going to tell the same joke that I usually tell. Uh, that family picture was actually taken um, last Christmas, a year ago, uh, in New Zealand. We're very grateful we were able to go to New Zealand. My wife is from New Zealand, and uh, it's going to be shut down for a little while with all the COVID stuff, so it was God's timing that we got that opportunity. And so my wife's from New Zealand. Some of you know they call New Zealand's Kiwis. Uh, of course, my last name is Peacock. And you see that we have four children, so we say that the peacock married the kiwi, and now we have four peewees. Um, and you can see that they're all growing a bit older now, so they don't really reflect. The, the joke's not as quite as poignant as it used to be 10 years ago. Our oldest, Isabella, is 18 years old. Our son, Zorin, just turned 17 uh, last Sunday. Our daughter Ruby is 14, and, and now the baby of the family, Olivia, is 11. So we're grateful to be here. We believe that God has planted us here, has placed us here. And, uh, and so a lot of uh, what will be coming out of my message and, and part of my message, so it's going to really focus on, you know, uh, some things that, that I'm seeing out of the scripture related to how we grow in Christlikeness, grow in our relationship with God, it also relates to how we become effective in ministry because, um, you know, as challenging as it's been to live in Sonoma County over the last three years, I am unwavering in my sense that when God created Adam Peacock, when he thought of the Peacock family, he thought of us being fruitful here in Sonoma County, that we have 
purposes to fulfill here, just like Redemption Hill Church and its congregation has purposes to fulfill here in this place. And I know that you're watching at home, but I just want to tell you, even though you're not in the sanctuary, it's okay to say amen during the message. And so you can say amen at home as you think about that. This morning, I want to talk uh, out of this title of walking in newness of life. This is a verse that's taken from, and, and let me see if I'm on there. There we go. Uh, it's a verse that's taken from Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And before we read the scripture, I'm just, just going to take a moment. We just recognize that the, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It comes and brings discernment. It comes and brings definition. It shines the light of God's truth into the dark places of our heart. Um, it, it enlivens us and, and stirs faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. So we want all of the goodness of what God wants to do uh, in these next few minutes as we look into his word together. I certainly want that in my life. So will you bow with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the worship uh, that, that uh, we've participated in together. We thank you for the purposes that you're reminding us of. And we thank you for this time set aside to acknowledge again, you are Lord and King. You are our priority. And now we open our hearts to your word in a fresh way. We invite your spirit to do that work of convicting, of revealing, of uh, emphasizing the things that we need to hear and understand from your word that will, that will uh, cause us to grow and mature in our relationship with Jesus and will make us fruitful as we abide in the vine. And so we commit this time to you. Uh, be God in it, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says this. We were buried, therefore, with him, not him as Jesus Christ, of course, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. What an awesome gospel verse, right? What a, a verse that talks about the fact that uh, this end result that we have been invited into of newness of life is the result of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that uh, in his sacrificial death, death, in his full obedience, in his fulfillment of the promises and purposes of God, we have been restored to God, not because of something we've done, but because of what Christ has done. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is. Not because of our faithfulness, because we have been unfaithful, but because of God's faithfulness, despite our unfaithfulness. And so we, we have this beautiful condensing of the, the heart of the work of the gospel that Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection, what it means, what it's opened up for us, all encapsulated here in uh, Romans 6, verse 4. And, and this is so consistent with what Paul's doing in the book of Romans because uh, he's writing with this deep desire to make sure that the believers in Rome, and of course that's such a significant city for the whole world at that time, are grounded in the faith that their roots are going deep into the truth of the gospel, their understanding of who God is, what he is about, what he is after. And so we see that taking place in this verse. And it's powerful and significant. 
uh, in that way. And uh, I want to highlight this element now, uh, saying that as we're looking at what Paul is doing in the gospel and this phrase at the end, newness of life. Uh, and I want to remind us that when we're talking about the gospel, you know, we've just flipped the page from 2020 into 2021. And there is something that, you know, I, I relate to it of this sense, even though it's uh, a date on a calendar of that feeling significant uh, of believing, all right, God, we, we've moved from one season into another of sorts. There's excitement there. And uh, I don't know about you, but I was ready for a new start from 2020 to 2021. I heard someone tell a joke the other day, though. They said, you know, uh, I took 2021 for the, the test drive and I'm ready to give it back to the dealership. But I'm not believing that uh, as much as I might relate with it in certain ways. I know God's got good stuff for us here. But, but you know, there's something about us that we are fashioned to enjoy new starts. And, and it brings hope and energy. And, and that's awesome. And, and uh, God is so faithful to give us new starts. But I want to be very clear here that what's being said is not that those who are in Christ Jesus have been given a new start. We have a new start. But the point of this verse is to say, no, it's not that the gospel says you've been given a new start, you've been given a new chance. It says you've been given a new life. And that is a whole other thing. We've been given a new life in Christ Jesus. It's distinct. It's different. This isn't that God's just, you know, wiped away all the bad stuff and, and hopefully don't mess up again. It's that he's changed the game altogether and that we are now placed in Christ Jesus, our our life is hid with God in Christ. And so we have a new life. And uh, as we here participate in baptism in this context, as we identify with Christ's life and come into that, we come into that new life. And that is awesome. And, and so much of, of what uh, the work that God's doing in our lives is, is that we learn how to live into that new life that we have in Christ Jesus. And we recognize that that's a battle. It's part of what I want to talk about today. Paul, uh, later in Romans, we, we see in Romans 12, the beginning verses of that, they says that we're, not gonna, that we're not supposed to be conformed to the image of the world, right? It's trying to, the world's trying to form us. It's, it's pressing in against us to cause us to think like it, to behave like it, to value what it values. He says we can't be conformed to the world in that way. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's a different process that this new life is designed to bring us into. And I love uh, in Romans 8, where it talks a lot about the reality of this newness of life, that in verse 29, it says that we have been predestined, that it's been God's uh, preset apart purpose for each one of us, that we would be conformed to the image of Christ, that we would be formed into what Christ's life looked like, that we would think like him, behave like him, value what he values, have an impact like he had in the world. Praise God. And so what I want to uh, tell us this morning is we're thinking about our lives, as we're doing our budgets, as we're thinking about what's going on in our career, as we're raising our children, whatever it is that we recognize. You know, we hear a lot about, you know, living your best life. I want to tell you that the best life that God has for you is to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's another good chance to say amen at home. And so this is what Paul's saying in Romans 6, 4, is he's saying that um, as we come into Christ, that we learn to walk in newness of life. And I actually want to take some time this morning and focus on this word walk a little bit, because clearly in the context of this verse, 
It's a significant description. It gives us a metaphor of what it is to learn to walk, learn to live, learn to grow in this newness of life. And so uh, I want to challenge us with this thought. Uh, and here, I'm a little bit missed. All right, let me see if I'm right there. Okay, um, that walk is a central metaphor for engaging the great themes of life in Christ. So I'm going to go through some of these really quick. Really, um, just this next few slides could be a message in itself. But what I'm really looking to show us here is that um, th this uh, metaphor of walking in newness of life is not something that just shows up in Romans 6.4, but it's actually a key metaphor used throughout the scriptures. We want to talk a little bit about why that is. And so I just want to lay the, the foundation. I want you to be very comfortable of how significant this is. In fact, walk, walking, walked, uh, path, way, um, foot, uh, walking in step with the Spirit. You know, we see all of these things probably over, well over a thousand times. I haven't looked it all up, but well over a thousand times as I'm looking at the, the general categories, this metaphor is used. And so it's a great picture throughout the, the scriptures to help us um, track some of the good themes of the Bible and what God's after. So let's look at some of these great themes of life in Christ where walk is included. Okay, so uh, we have walk by faith and not by sight. That's a great one, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Am I tracking here with the slides? Uh, walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16. Walk in love. Ephesians 5, 2. Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. Walk in wisdom. Colossians 4, 5. Walk in the same way Jesus walked. That's a good one. 1 John 2.6, walk in obedience to God's commandments. I think I have down also 1 John 2.6. I don't know if I got that one right. Um, walk in the light, uh, 1 John 1.7. And walk in truth, 3 John 1.4. I mean, think about these as themes, right? Walking faith, walking by the Spirit, walking in love, walking in the light, walking in wisdom right? Uh, walking in truth. These are huge themes of the Bible. And each time when they're talked about, the, the key framework, the metaphor that we're being encouraged to use is this metaphor of walking. A uh, walk is also utilized throughout scripture as a significant picture of the relationship that God wants with us. So again, just going quickly, uh, in Genesis, uh, the righteous are spoken of as walking with God. So uh, the, the first mention of walk or walking in the Bible related to people is Enoch. It says he walked with God. Then as Moses is being set apart as different from his generation, it says he walked with God. Uh, Abraham is described as being different or special because he walked with God and he was told to teach his kids how to, you got it, walk with God. In the law... Walking in God's ways and law is the primary description of covenant faithfulness. So we have in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the, the uh, key picture that's established in the Bible of God's desire for covenant with his people. And um, the, the, one of the hinge metaphors for that covenant is understanding what it is to walk with God, walk in his ways, walk in obedience. 
Then we see in Psalms that how one walks is a key identification of righteousness. Now, there are so many other uh, key uses of this metaphor uh, in Psalms. Of course, one of the great ones is, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So even talking about how the scripture helps us in walking rightly. Uh, in Proverbs, we have the walking as being formative in the journey to wisdom. There were so many examples of that. Of course, a very famous uh, verse in Proverbs around this is, those who walk with the wise will become wise. Uh, in the uh, prophetic books, along with reinforcing the picture of walking, uh, the law provides us. It also uses walking as a definitive context for both judgment and restoration. And, and so ultimately, uh, walking uh, as exiles is this element that uh, will walk in sorrow and in judgment, but also so many great prophetic passages. Isaiah 35 is a great one talking about the highway of holiness, talking about the people of God walking back into the purposes of God, being restored to the land of God. And it is such a, uh, there's just so much wealth there in that place. Um, in the Gospels, we see here, did I lose our, I want to make sure that I've got us tracking here. Uh, in the Gospels, Jesus was a walker and his disciples became those who walked with him. We know practically that, uh, you know, when Jesus said, follow me, and in fact, very specifically in, it call, in his call, some of those verses says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. But, but I want to just pull back because we think about, well, they didn't have cars in Jesus' day. Of course they were walking. Well, um, you know, they had horses, they had chariots, they had different things. His framework was walking, but even more than that, uh, in that time, especially before the, dis the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, um, walking for religious purposes, walking for spiritual formation was quite significant in the, the Hebrew culture. Uh, God told them to walk pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate the feasts. And we know that that was Jesus's practice. In fact, in Luke 2, uh, when we have this one story about Jesus and his childhood, he's about 12, that's in the context of pilgrimage. It's in the context of Jesus walking with his family from where they lived in Nazareth to Jerusalem. And that's a key part of the framework. And then throughout the Gospels, when it talks about Jesus going to, the, the, uh, to Jerusalem for the feasts, it's all in walking pilgrimage. The whole backside of the Gospel of Luke is in the context of Jesus walking pilgrimage, we think, in his life. You know, who knows, maybe he missed here or there, but about 90 times he participated in walking as worship as part of this element of the feast. And so it's a significant thing to consider even uh, in Jesus' life and how he was faithful to what God wanted. And then uh, finally, uh, in the epistles, how we walk causes us to grow in Christ-likeness and distinguishes us from the world. In the letter to the Ephesians, um, walk is actually one of the central metaphors that, that uh, Paul uh, styles the whole letter around through, uh, through uh, a grouping, a handful of ways that he uses it. So um, I know that's a lot, and we went fast, and it's kind of teaching-oriented. Um, let's, let's pull back a little bit and just ask the question, so why is walking such a prevalent tool for encouraging us deeper into our relationship with God? What are some elements there 
for us to consider. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm just creating a little bit of awareness here. And, um, and I'll just share, you know, personally, um, I've just been seeing this uh, a lot more in the scripture. And then uh, at the end of the year, I read an interesting devotional book. Uh, it's written by Mark Buchanan called God Walk. And uh, if you're interested in, in from what I'm uh, sharing here, it's quite interesting the way he goes into that element and dives into some of these things. And you'll see in the bulletin for uh, this week, I do mention that um, over these last few years, uh, I've been involved with a small group of people uh, uh, in the development of a prayer path uh, here in Sonoma County. And so all these things have been just good soil um, in my heart and life to reflect a little bit on what the scripture is saying here. And so I want to bring forward uh, three kind of elements here as we're looking at this question, why, why walking? So um, walking speaks to our unique role as being created in the image of God. I don't know if you know this, but the first mention of walking in the Bible is God walking in the garden. That's the very first mention. And so walking becomes part of this uh, small spectrum of activities directly created to what it is to be an image bearer of God. So uh, other examples would be um, God naming things and the, then the gift that he's given us as being image bearers to name. Another would be that it says God planted Eden, God planted a garden, and how that relates to um, then God's call on us to be those who cultivate and nurture all the things in that dominion mandate of Genesis 1, 26 to 28. So walking is actually one of those core activities of what it is to be image bearers. And uh, we might not think it's that significant, but in the scripture, throughout history and culture, regardless of religion, people have recognized that the way that we walk sets us apart from the rest of creation. Uh, similar to our language, the way we think, similar to our prehensile thumb, the way we walk is definitive of what it is to be human. <coughs> Excuse me. And in the scripture, um, this element, when we talk about uh, reflecting the image of God, one of the, the corollaries to that is that um, it connects to our priesthood. And so um, we know that the temple, especially the Holy of Holies, was designed to be this picture of God's ultimate purpose for us. It was patterned after the Garden of Eden. And so um, priests, how they walked uh, in the temple, how they walked in ministry was actually really important. Um, one of the things that was interesting is that they, all their ministry would be done barefoot. Um, and it was that element of how they walked in, in that ministry that way. And, and a very interesting picture about carrying God's presence in walking was in 2 Samuel, where... David wants to bring the ark of God into Jerusalem. He wants to place it uh, in Jerusalem because, you know, he wanted God's presence in their life there. And they originally tried to bring it in on a cart. It's its own message, of course, but God wouldn't let it be brought in by a cart. There was judgment for that. It had to be walked in on the shoulders of the priests. And so there's something about this where we participate in image bearing and it carries that theme of our priesthood and image bearing throughout the scriptures. A second example would just be that uh, walking is ubiquitous, okay? Uh, across time, people walk. 
uh, across ages, you know, how old people are, their ethnic background, um, their education, socioeconomically. It's something we have in common as people. It is ubiquitous in that way. And so it's, it's an interesting element there that um, throughout the scripture, it often talks with also God's heart that all nations would be reached with the hope of the gospel. And so there's a very interesting connection in the Bible between walking and evangelism. We have our feet, uh, right, uh, shorn up with the, the uh, gospel of peace. Um, it, it speaks to how beautiful on the feet are on the hills are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. And so there's something there I'll, I'll pick back up as we just get uh, towards a close with, with application. But there's something there about evangelism where where walking actually uh, in a place is the inviting of God's purposes, his truth. He speaks about that in different places in the scripture to come and encounter that place where we're walking. And so we see that connection with evangelism. And, and finally, walking is formative. And we can talk in, in many ways about it. It's, um, it's interesting when we talk about loving the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that you, walking is an activity that actually uniquely impacts us as people, biologically. It impacts us physically, emotionally. Um, it impacts us uh, mentally in terms of our mental health. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting field right now. You know, they say that there is direct link to the impact that walking has on preventing 41 specific diseases. They say that uh, after a half an hour walk, there's a boost in your immune system for 24 hours. Uh, we were physically designed to walk. Um, there's clear uh, connections between walking and memory and walking and mental health. And so we, we see that physiologically, but spiritually, there's something going on in that process as well. So, um, you know, there, there's something here about walking and coming into uh, who we are as the people of God. And of course, we know it's very symbolic. I think um, there, there, I could get lost in all this, but one of the most significant walks, right, that we have in our culture, um, and, and we see it actually in the scripture as well, is the walk of a bride down the aisle to the altar, right? Walking with, uh, often with her father in that way. I was thinking about significant walks in my life, and uh, in my wedding, I actually um, uh, rolled up. I started before my wife uh, came down the, art, uh, the aisle. I actually rolled up like a runner, like created a walkway for her to walk on. And so it would be something that, you know, only we walked on. I was preparing a way for my bride in that way, came back down. And as I came down, it, you know, I knew, wow, I'm walking this direction as uh, in one way, but when I walk back, I'll walk back married. I'll walk back in a covenant relationship with my wife and what that is and what that shows. So um, there, there's so much significance there, even as we, we uh, look at uh, this element of our lives. And in the core of going back to Romans 6, 4, one of the things that, that I want to make clear about the gospel is that this picture that Jesus taught, or that uh, Paul is writing about of coming into the life of Christ is a picture that is a picture of an incarnated God, and that this is actually an embodied expression of faith. What I want to tell us is that 
Uh, faith is not just something we feel or something we think. It's not just a disembodied thing. It's an embodied thing. That's why baptism is so important. That God actually wants to work his life in and through us, even physically, that we're charged to steward our bodies. And so we offer our bodies as living sacrifices in worship. We participate physically in the reality of what God's doing in our lives as we participate in baptism in that way. And so there's something here for us that we're being invited into. Um, I want to uh, challenge us with this verse, Redemption Hill Church, as it relates to just our work here in 2021. Uh, look at this in Ephesians 2.10. I talked about how Paul uses walk in Ephesians. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has designed you, Redemption Hill Church. He's designed me with a purpose for this place. We have an impact that he, he has designed for us to make. We are to be salt and light in this community. And uh, here, Paul wraps uh, those things up in this metaphor that we would walk in this place as priests of God, as evangelists to the gospel, and as the children of God, the sons of God being formed into the image of Christ. And so uh, I just want to encourage you with considering this application. One, uh, I hope that maybe uh, this kind of message and the way that I've gone after it uh, may make you a little bit uh, more likely to pay more attention when you see walk and walk-related themes in the Scripture. Maybe it, maybe it can help you just dig a little deeper into a passage to consider a little bit more what's going on because it's all throughout the Scripture. It's a beautiful thread. Two, uh, I want to encourage you to have fun with your walking experiences and memories. Um, for me, you know, I, I, in preparation for this, I've been considering this. I remember a time in high school where um, it was a very short walk, one of the shortest walks I've taken in my life, but it was a huge moment of decision. I was at a retreat, and uh, they had us physically in a room, uh, similar size to the, the sanctuary here at Redemption Hill Church, and they put a rope right down the middle and they were asking these questions, and, and if you said yes to that question, you stood on one side of the rope, and if you said no to that question, you stood on the other side of the rope, and they, they brought up a question about sexual purity, and, uh, and uh, there were 80 kids in the room, and 79 went to one side of the rope, and I was the only one who went to the other, and I'll never forget what it felt to get up from where I was sitting down and have to make that choice knowing that everyone's go uh, to one side and walking to the other and what it, what it put me through, not just to think what I thought there, but to have to show with my body to walk to that side and say, I'm gonna stand for Jesus. I'm gonna stand for truth in that way. And then in that context, how the grace of God filled the room in the 79 people over here. And this isn't about me. This is about when we'll just be faithful, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whatever. The 79 people over here clapped for the one person standing over there because they appreciated someone who was willing to stand up uh, uh, in the face of great other numbers for the truth in that way. I think about when I was in college, I went to UCLA and I was in this big house. It was full of people. 
uh, and uh, I just had to get away. I wanted to get away with the Lord, and so the only thing that I could do was walk, and so on Sundays after church, I would just, I'd get home, I'd change, I'd take off, and I'd just walk for hours trying to be alone with God, and it was in that time where God began to reveal things in my heart. He began to challenge me about the secret place and how I was, uh, I, I was, uh, had major barriers in the way that are related to him that were blocking me from intimacy, b- blocking me for under, from understanding what it is to be a child of God. And I began to see as I walked just the, where, the way my mind would function, where it would go when I had nothing to think about, and began to just offer that to God and how literally I was walking out my faith with fear and trembling. So I want to encourage you, in, in your own life, there are these examples you can grab a hold of that will be significant. And finally, uh, I want to challenge you as we wrap up, and uh, it's this last slide, I think. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Prayer walk your neighborhood. You want to take a practical application of this? Shod your feet with the gospel of truth. It doesn't mean you have to go out with a bullhorn. What I'm saying is begin to walk uh, in your neighborhood. Begin to get out and pray and walk together because there's something that happens when we get out that way. Listen, one of the reasons why this might seem foreign to us as a message is because we live in a car culture, not a walking culture. We are used to going fast. We're used to being isolated and privatized. We're used to climate control as we're traveling as opposed to being under the elements. And there's something about going fast like that, being isolated and separated like that, that keeps us from really feeling and discerning and noticing and understanding the place where we are, being aware of where we are. And, and I want to challenge you that wherever you live, that is a mission field. And if you will choose to begin to walk and pray for that place, God will do things in your heart. I, I tell you this uh, out of personal testimony. When I became pastor at City Life Fellowship, a few years in, God said, I want you to walk uh, a one-mile radius around all the neighborhoods, all the street, around the church. And as I began to do that, God changed my heart dramatically towards the community. He gave me uh, such a fresh understanding of what was going on, and I don't believe I'd be doing what I'm doing the way I'm doing it now if I hadn't gotten out here in Santa Rosa and prayer walked. And so um, there's three ways that you can respond um, to this challenge uh, this morning in regards to what it is to lean into God, to press into our relationship with Jesus, and to uh, heed this challenge that Paul gives us in Romans 6, 4, to become conformed to the image of Christ, to learn what it is to walk in newness of life. Thank you so much for uh, journeying with me in the scripture this morning again. I'm so grateful for our relationship, and I just want to offer a quick blessing uh, as we close this message. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Redemption Hill Church. I thank you for each person who's listening this morning who has come not to hear me, Lord, but to encounter you. And so I pray that that encounter uh, would just be solidified in your spirit. Holy Spirit, be at work in our life. Let the word of God soak deep into our soil. God, we want to live in a way that's faithful. We want to please you. And most of all, Lord, we want to know you better and allow you to transform us, to form us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. So we bless Redemption Hill Church this week coming ahead, and we believe that uh, you have a purpose for it. You have good things in it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. God bless you.